the learning curve of homework. To be upfront, I don't advocate homework, especially not for primary school children. I mean, who wants to do a day's work and then come home and do more work? I don't, and you can be guaranteed your young and middle childhood child doesn't. I hear about homework in my work all the time, and it can become a hotbed for parent-child tensions. My objections to homework include the following. Children need time, space and opportunity to play. This is precisely how they learn rather than being a break from learning. Sitting doing homework is a sedentary activity at a time when children need movement and physical activity. For some children, a busy home is not a relaxed learning environment in the way a managed classroom is. So doing this work at home is stressful. As they have already been at work for most of their day, it should not follow them home. It blocks their natural creativity and innate curiosity to get out and explore their environment. There are no consistent, reliable studies to show that homework helps school performance in any way. Marvellous, Joanna, I hear you say, but what if we have to do it? Well then, use playful ways to create boundaries around it and make it more fun to do. Using a 15-minute sand timer, say that your child must sit and do homework until all the sand hits the bottom. Then they get another turn of the timer to play, read a book, eat a snack or whatever. Then they must return and do one more turn of the timer to finish homework. And honestly, 30 focused and dedicated minutes on homework should be enough to complete it. And if not, simply write a note to the teacher stating that they spent 30 minutes on their homework doing as much of it as they could. This may well spark a face-to-face conversation with your teacher and you can and should discuss it then. The sand timer serves as a boundary for the homework and also allows them to take a break in the middle so they know they only have to do it for short bursts. If they do homework, let it be their work and not yours. You can check over it to ensure they did all they were asked or see, excuse what they didn't get done in the time frame you gave it but try not to correct their homework for them. If you see answers that are wrong, you might ask between the first and second 15 minutes if they would like to take time to check their answers at the end. Encourage them to slow down as their handwriting is not clear enough for the teacher to read. But this is not a battle I suggest you take on as a parent. If their answers are wrong because they do not understand the material, then it is important that their teacher sees this in their homework and can follow up to ensure they do understand. This comes back to what I have said earlier about not rescuing them from every struggle, because there is often so much valuable growth and development to be had within that struggle. By taking this approach to homework, you can maximise some benefits from it for your child at this stage of development. These benefits include the discipline of sticking with something even when you don't want to do it, the beginning of some time management skills, working on increased tolerance to better manage frustration levels, giving you some further insight into how they are coping with schoolwork and also how stress and frustration impact on their behaviour, an opportunity to learn, 
perhaps better for some children, in a more comfortable and relaxed environment. In lieu of prescribed school curriculum homework, I would happily support outdoor play regardless of weather as homework or being tasked to pick up three to five pieces of rubbish to properly dispose of on the way home or encouraging parent-child and or family playtime as a homework activity. Outdoor play. Necessity, not novelty. Spending much of their day in school in a building with walls, it is really important and beneficial that children get to spend as much time as possible outdoors. It is good for physical and emotional health, encourages exploration and creativity, as well as supporting motor skills development. Time spent playing outdoors has been shown to improve school performance and engagement, hence all the more reason to prescribe it as homework if you are setting homework. The great outdoors provides a space with far fewer physical restrictions than indoor environments, and this allows children to express themselves more openly. Countless studies show that regular time spent playing outdoors reduces anxiety, reduces hyperactivity, boosts mood, builds collaborative play skills and teamwork, and lowers cortisol levels. When children are happier, more relaxed, more alert and attuned, they are more open to learning. You probably know yourself the benefits to be had from a walk in fresh air to clear your head and relieve tensions. Well, it stands to reason that our children who are experiencing increasingly sedentary lifestyles with screens and urban noises and other such stimuli will also benefit greatly from time outdoors in nature, running, jumping and climbing. In 2016, it was widely reported in newspaper articles that Nicky Butt, ex-footballer and the then head of the Manchester United Youth Academy, was hiring circus performers to come in to work with their players to increase mobility and teach them how to fall and roll safely to avoid injury. I thought at the time, and still do now, how fascinating this is. The potential impact on motor skills development, physical and mental health is huge and worth investing in a resource that is largely freely available outside our doors. 15 minutes of play that brings it back to nature. Garden patch. Assign a small patch of your garden to your children and allow them to choose what vegetable or herb seeds they will plant and take care of to bring into your kitchen for you to incorporate into cooking with them. There is great creativity and nurturance in this type of play and it gives them a reason to go outside and check their patch each day. Don't interfere. Let them lead and by all means follow and support them as and when they look for your help, but they should feel a sense of ownership of this. Insect excavating. This is not nearly as technical as it sounds and involves identifying a stone or rock somewhere and slowly lifting or upturning it to see, examine and discuss the insect life you find underneath. Of course, don't kill or otherwise interfere with the insects, but use this as a way to discover and discuss them. Build a bug hotel or air B and B. In these times when climate change is a part of every young child's vernacular, why not do something like this as a way of encouraging the insects into your garden to do their thing? 
build an insect hotel or Airbnb, whatever you want to call it, but do so with your child, not for them. Give them the list of materials to source and bring to the garden. Old flower pots, branches, rolled cardboard such as inserts of toilet paper or kitchen roll, sticks, odd bits from around your garden or local park area, timber, bits of brick, bamboo. You may need to visit a garden centre with them. You can source the bigger stuff like scissors to cut bamboo. You can make a large-scale, fancy-looking structure or keep it quite simple and small. The simplest way to make it is to get an old flower pot with the bottom missing. Insert bamboo cut to size into the holes in the flower pot and leave the cut ends exposed. In no time your bug hotel will have residents moving in. I was outside my house with my own child and we spotted a very unwell-looking bumblebee barely moving and eliciting a very meek buzz. She was immediately concerned about him and how we could help. As with many small children, she felt a snack and a song would help him feel better. So we took a tablespoon and filled it with water and sugar mixed and brought it out to the little bee, placing it very close to him and gave him a small nudge towards it. She sang him a song, an adaptation of the ant song making it the bees, the bees they buzzed in one by one, hurrah, hurrah, up to ten. Already we could see the spoon was energising our little bee friend and we left him alone until twenty minutes later he upped and flew away. We were thrilled and it meant I could reflect with my toddler on how nice it is to show kindness when someone needs help. This was a great way to reinforce some nurture play to build empathy skills. More outdoor play tips and suggestions. Tag. One child is it. Rounds of rock, paper, scissors should agree who is on or eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch a tiger by the toe. If he squeals, let it go. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. It is up to the child who is on to chase the others and tag someone else to now be on. And the game continues for as long as they like. Red Rover a favourite of mine from my own school playground days. The children form two teams of equal numbers, ideally, and these teams stand opposite each other in lines, a decent distance apart. The first team, again use one of the above methods to decide who will go first, agrees among themselves to call one player from the other team over, calling out, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Peter over. That named person runs towards the other team's line, linked by holding hands, and attempts to charge through, breaking the links. If successful, that child gets to select a player from the other team to now join their team, and that team has to call someone over. If that child is unsuccessful at breaking through, they simply join the opposing team as a member and the game continues. This is a great one for groups of kids, but also family playtime outdoors. Water play. The children run through a sprinkler or simply play with a basin of water to make wet footprints or splash or fill a water squirter or wash some toys. Digging for treasure. Bury something in a hole in the garden and have your child dig with their hands or a small child's gardening shovel to find it. 
it can be nice to lead them from this to some water play as they can wash the mud off the item and themselves afterwards. Patio art. Give them some chalk, pavement chalk is larger and especially good for this, and simply let them draw pictures. If some structure is needed here, set them a theme and they can draw within that theme. This can be useful if you have more than one child and they are encroaching on each other's drawings. Hopscotch. Using your pavement chalk, draw a hopscotch game and take turns playing. Hide and seek. This is a great outdoor game too and offers opportunity to conceal oneself and the joy of being discovered, as well as the freedom and movement of running around. Skipping. Take a rope and if there are three or more of you, take turns so that two of you hold either end of the rope while one jumps in the middle as the rope is turned. Note, if there are two of you, tie the rope to a pole or wall or gate or tree at one end and turn the other. Challenge opportunity. There is a fun way to increase the level of challenge with this game by having the person in the middle jump while holding a cup of water. Of course the water will slosh and come out and at the end, when everyone has had a turn, measure who has the most water left in his or her cup to win. Tug of war. Using your skipping rope, divide into teams of two or more and play with pulling the rope both ways. Nurture opportunity. Increase the nurture here by pulling your child into you in an embrace or group hug when you pull them over the line towards you. Or let them pull you over and topple into their arms for a hug or group hug.